Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Everyday Musician Podcast. I am your host, Eric Morgala. Joining me today, my guest is the first African-American woman to get a bachelor's degree in composition at Michigan State University. She's also the founder of Compose the Way, a singer-songwriting project used as a way to express her love for music and to connect with others. Please let me welcome Jordan Davis. Jordan, thanks for being on the podcast today. Oh, man, Eric, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Jordan, you have such an interesting story. So I just want to dive in. Um, tell us about where you're from, who you are, the kind of music that you perform, and then we'll go from there. Okay, so I am from a very small city in the metro Detroit area in Michigan uh, called Inkster, Michigan. Um, growing up, nobody in my family was musically involved. As the, I'm still the only um, musician and instrumentalist in my family. Um, so growing up, I did a lot of non-music related activities and later on in life, um, probably like later on in high school is when I really started to prioritize music um, by like joining my my high school marching band in the choir and I was in the orchestra um, and also joined an, an alternative rock band where I learned how to play like electric bass. Uh, and then when I went to Michigan State, um, I got a unit, I got a scholarship to study engineering um, since I was really good at math and science in high school and super huge into environmentalism um, and decided to go to school for environmental engineering and through a bunch of different phases of self-discovery decided that that's something that I could do, but is not where my purpose lied. Um, and so I decided to kind of switch paths and pursue music. Uh, and initially, and still very much so true today, I wanted to get into music to be a film composer. Um, so I love, love, love film music and love listening to like the, the source music and the, and the score music that they have in like film and TV. Uh, so I decided to start studying composition and then down the line met some mentors in the jazz studies program at my school and they encouraged me to start studying jazz and this past may uh, as you already said i graduated with two degrees from michigan state one in composition and one in jazz studies um, and i was the first person to do that like to get both of them at the same time and then the first african-american woman to get a composition degree um, so my i guess my musical influences and the music that i make comes from a bit of everywhere. Definitely super influenced by film music and um, media music, but also growing up, like some of my favorite music to listen to is music of uh, like independent alternative artists and, and rock bands and, and that sort of thing. And now that jazz is such a huge part of my life, it's just inherently a part of my voice and kind of also allowed me to find uh, clarity in my, in my own voice through playing jazz and playing the bass. Um, and then just, I guess, like as a contemporary classical composer, I kind of just try to draw from all of those influences to say what I have to say. Um, so that's a very long winded answer to your question. But no, but it's brilliant. I appreciate it. I really appreciate that answer. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's dive right in. So you say that film compose uh, film composition was the reason why you went into composing in the first place. So what kind of film uh, scores have uh, really inspired you to kind of take that leap of faith? Well, I think 
I think the film score that helped me realize that this was something that I could do. It's, it's not a very popular uh, piece of music and it's not a very popular score, um, but it is for a film that I really enjoy and that had a huge impact on my life uh, through the story um, and also just through the music. And that's the 2011 film adaptation of Jane Eyre. Um, and hearing the score for that, it's darn, I, th I think the composer's name is like Dario Marianelli because I was obsessed with it like the last two years of high school. Um, and hearing, hearing that score, I, I was really able to like identify with the sound and with the way that it helped really tell the story. And I'm, I'm always someone who is constantly paying attention to, to the music in, involved in any type of, in type of media. Um, because honestly, like the music is more part of telling the story than the visual um, or can can tell the story more effectively than sometimes the visuals can on their own and are often like the most compelling part of the story. But that's my perspective and is the reason why I am super intrigued by those things. Excellent. So, Jordan, you talked a little bit about jazz. And uh, you talked a little bit about bass. So you play acoustic bass, from what I remember. You also play electric bass. Do you have a preference? And uh, is there any kind of um, musical style that you uh, aim, like, lean towards in terms of composition? Do you lean towards the classical side? Do you lean towards the jazz side? Can you tell us about that? Sure. So I I don't have a preference. I love to play the bass. Right now, I'm studying jazz. I'm getting my master's in jazz studies from Michigan State. Uh, so I spend a lot of time on my feet playing upright because that's what my program requires. And I love playing the acoustic bass. My uh, my bass has a name. Her name is Genevieve, and she's my best friend. Beautiful. <laughs> she's really, really uh, inspired me a lot Um to just keep going and to keep playing the bass and to keep working around the instrument. Um, but I also play electric bass pretty often, uh, whether that's like through Compose the Way or playing bass in somebody else's band for a gig or playing at a church or something like that. Um, so I, I, I just love to play the bass and all I want to do every day is to play the bass. So whatever way I can do that is totally okay with me. Yeah, you know, I feel the same. I feel the same way when it comes to the violin. No matter what I'm playing, I kind of just want to be touching my instrument every day, whenever possible. And I think that goes to show um, just the passion that you have towards music and towards your instrument, which um, I really appreciate. I want to dive into uh, your TED talk that you gave at Mi Michigan State University. It was actually a TEDx, and you're describing your story. You're describing your journey as you're the founder of Compose the Way. So talk about that TEDx and talk about Compose the Way for a moment. So my, my TEDx talk at MSU was the scariest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Really? Um, okay, so let, let, let's dive into that. Why, why was it so uh, scary? Was it because it was like a public speaking engagement? Um, what was it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's that's exactly why. Uh, I, I'm somebody who fully understands the purpose that public speaking serves, uh, especially to especially to creatives and to musicians. It gives us a platform to kind of explain ourselves and share our stories in a medium that's maybe a bit more accessible and relatable to some folks who are maybe not necessarily interested in our art. So I understand my role as a creative 
to be able to public speak and to be able to to speak to people. But that doesn't make it any easier. That doesn't make it any less scary. Right. <laughs> um, so we spent, I think, like anywhere between six to eight weeks preparing um, before the conference to give the talks. And, you know, it was it was really interesting to prepare it because I was essentially just telling my story in some type of structured format. And for me, you know, it was it was that much scarier because I was like basically telling everybody the most important things about me um, and the most important things about my journey at MSU on stage for eight minutes alone. So, you know, I really had to had to channel a certain part of myself where I thought of it more of more of more of like a performance as opposed to just like giving a speech um, because, you know, as a, as a creative and as a musician, we perform often and I'm used to that type of experience, but I'm not used to just getting up and talking. But if I had to like change my perspective to make it more enjoyable for myself, right. mm-hmm. but you know, it, I'm so glad that I did it. It was probably one of the best experiences that I've ever had in my life, but it was also just incredibly terrifying um, I can imagine and, with, and, and since I've, and, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Since I've done the talk, yeah. <laughs> since I've done the talk, I've gotten, um, a lot of really great response. Like even, even from people that I go to school with, you know, they're like, I'm, thank you so much for sharing your story. I had no idea that that's what your life was like. And I had no idea that that's like, why you're always just running around with your head, like spinning and doing a, a million different things. And like, I just had no idea. So like, thank you so much. And I've had people, you know, tell me, oh, you know, I, I have, been in a similar situation where I wanted to change careers or I wanted to do something else, but I didn't believe in myself or the people around me didn't believe in me. But hearing your story, you know, I'm, I know that I just have to believe in myself and I have to like step outside of my comfort zone and and believe that the choices that I'm making for myself are going to be the right choices to make me happy. So it was great. Growing up, did you have a support system? You mentioned that you were the only musician in your family. So when you were seeking support for going into music, you said in the TEDx that you were you feared that you would have some resistance coming from your family in switching your direction. How was that process when you told your family saying, "Hey, I want to change my direction to music?" And what was that kind what was that conversation like? Because there might be some young musicians out there who are possibly going to be auditioning or who are auditioning this season for for colleges or universities and they're probably having that conversation with their parents right now so can you just describe a little bit about that process for you and for someone who's listening who uh, you can help kind of give advice so for me it, it was not like an overnight thing by any means it wasn't something that i decided to spring on my family either uh, just because I knew that I had to be, I had to be really sure and really confident in myself and really confident in my abilities to like do this thing for real and to not back down from it even when it gets really hard. So I knew that I had to be sure of that in my own right before I even talked to my family about it. So it took me, it took me about a year before we even had a conversation about it. I attended a film composition workshop in LA. Um, it's called, or it was in San Diego. It's called the Palomar Film Workshop. And my family, you know, has been really supportive of me throughout my entire life when it comes to things that I'm just like, I need to do this. I'm going to go after this. Um, 
so they they helped they helped me raise money to attend that workshop you know but I was still studying engineering and, and geology at the time so they're just like oh this is like something fun that she's going to do you know she loves music like it's okay but after I went to that uh, you know the the mentors that were on the uh, the faculty for this for this program uh, Larry Gruppe and, and Roger Neal they were like why why are you not studying music. And I was like, well, you know, I, I have an engineering scholarship, like I'm, I'm going to get a geology job or, or do something like that. And they're like, uh, well, is that what you want to do? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I, I, it's something that I could do for sure. And they were just like, well, if you need any help trying to figure out how to study music, you know, let us know, we, we'll, we'll help you. And so I spent the next year after that, really trying to figure out what it looked like for me to study music and what it looked like for, for my life to happen professionally um, after music school. Because I was just under the assumption that, oh, I could maybe get a degree in something else in my undergrad and then go to math, go to go to grad school for music. But even with like my my level of ability and my understanding of music at that time, like I wouldn't have been able to do something like that at all. Like I didn't learn any music theory and I didn't take any lessons or anything like that when I was in high school. So I needed, I needed to go to music school. Um, And I guess going back to getting my family on board, uh, you know, my, my dad is uh, now a retired Colonel for the United States army. And my mom, is a super nonprofit powerhouse. So they both mean business and they both are like, okay, well, if you need to do something, you need to come up with a plan and you need to present us with this plan. So in that, in that year that I was taking to kind of figure things out, you know, a couple months in, I like had to present, uh, prepare a PowerPoint presentation for my parents. Like, here's my five-year plan. Here's how I'm going to pay for music school. Here's, here's what music school is. Here's what it looks like. Here are my professors. Like, you know, this is what this is, this is what this experience is going to be like. Is is this something that you're going to support me on? And it took it took probably up until maybe a year or two into music school for for everyone to kind of be like a hundred percent on board. Like my family, by no means, like ever left me out to dry, um, and were this super discouraging to me wanting to pursue music. Um, but it definitely took some time because, you know, they had no, um, no prior exposure to studying music in academia or being a professional musician and what that looks like because my mom works in nonprofit and my dad was in the army. So those are the two worlds that they know. So I just had to do my best to, to present that information to them, um, and help them understand like what it is that I'm trying to do and why I'm trying to do it. So if I had to give anybody a piece of advice about, you know, talking to talking to your family or trying to get them to support you, you know, just just try to make it try to try to make it as as clear as possible to them as you can like why this is something that you're doing and why you want to do it because they can't really question your passion. If you're passionate about it and you believe in yourself enough, there's there's really it's really hard to to go against someone's someone's passion and what they believe in and, and how they see themselves and and how they believe their lives are supposed to to be. So, thank you for sharing all of that. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank your uh, your dad for his service. So, and your mom is a nonprofit powerhouse. You said what What does your mom do in non in the nonprofit? 
So my mom has always been kind of a professional grant writer. Um, and maybe maybe 10 years ago, she wrote this grant that was funded for a million dollars to, to help start this uh, homeless veteran shelter in Detroit. And she wow. ended up running that program for about eight years and now is in the process of starting her own homeless veteran shelter um, in Detroit outside of outside of the company that she used to work for. So she was just telling me the other day, she's like, oh, we just locked down three new buildings for our location. We, we've gotten all this funding. Um, and, you know, we're, we're trying to make a difference in the lives of the veterans, the homeless veterans in Detroit. Um, but also, but also like uh, homeless veterans who like homeless female veterans with children. That's something that's uh, a particular passion of hers and is something that she wants to focus on with this nonprofit that she's building right now. Um, so my mom, you know, she is like a self-made individual, like from writing the grant herself to putting on the program to being the, the coordinator of the program and, you know, hiring everybody. And, you know, I like to think that that's where, that's where I get like a lot of my self self-motivation from and a lot of my like entrepreneurial skills just from watching her. Um, and my dad as, as an incredible leader, you know, both of those, I got, got both of the, the best skill sets from, from both of them. So I'm, I'm super appreciative of my parents. <laughs> right. And you, and you meant, you mentioned that business mindset of your parents with your mom and your dad. And I think uh, in general, musicians have the skills of entrepreneurs. I think if you're a musician, you have the skill set of an entrepreneur because you have to practice your instrument. You have to be very diligent, self-motivated, and you kind of have to ignore the things around you to really stay focused on your goals and your vision. And I think that's an, an important factor of being an entrepreneur. And that's a great segue into music entrepreneurship because it sounds like you have a great business mindset when it comes to music. You just... Um, before we began the podcast, we were just catching up and you said that you were just on tour. So can you briefly describe the process of organizing a tour, who you need to talk to, so that way you have the performances scheduled in advance? Describe describe that process. Well, luckily right now, I'm in a position where the tours I'm going on are not being planned by me. Um so I unfortunately can't answer that specific question about the tours that I just went on um, because they were tours affiliated with my university um, and some of the guest artists that came in through my university. Um, but I see. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's so much that can go into, into planning a tour, especially depending on, depending on the, um, what is the word I'm looking for? I guess like the the genre or like the the audience. So me going about planning a tour for Compose the Way would be completely different than how I would plan a tour for, let's say, like my jazz project. Like if I was going on tour of like my jazz trio, you know, that would be a little bit different because the venues, pe the, the venues you're going to be attending or performing at are going to be completely different and require a different type of culture and a different style of interaction. Um, I feel like a lot of the times in like classical music and in jazz, when you go to venues and when you're booking spaces to perform and it's, it's a bit more formal and they want to be a bit more um, accommodating to you than you would uh, experience as a up and coming artist in um, 
more of like popular music. So composed away would be more popular music and playing in popular music venues. Um, but it, it, it requires like a lot of, a lot of planning and a lot of connections. I think that is amazing. All of that is amazing. So yeah. So for different genres, you would book a tour different you differently. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, it's, it's just the, the lines of communication are just a bit different. Um, but also for me, um, someone, someone recently, someone recently kind of honed in on a point that like as as musicians like yeah it's really it's really important for us to be entrepreneurs and for us to be business savvy um but if you want to be a great musician you cannot also be a great like business person and try to do them all both at the same time um because the business side of it takes so much work and takes so much care and attention it takes just as much care and attention as it would for you to be practicing on your instrument and it takes just as much time and, you know, I'm kind of experiencing that right now because I'm in between uh, like business assistants to help me kind of take care of a lot of the the logistical aspects of booking shows and and promoting videos and, and selling merchandise and stuff for, for my business and selling scores and stuff for my composition. Um, so I'm super backed up on it right now because I've just been practicing and I've been touring and I've been playing so much. Um, but it does take a lot of work and it does take a lot of time and you have to be just as intentional with the business as you do with your craft because the business is what's going to help you make the money. Um, and if you do it right, That's then right. you can have a sustainable career. Well said. I think you bring up a lot of good points where if you're a full-time musician, it's also very difficult to be a full-time business person. It's really hard to do both. I mean, unless you're really disciplined, there are very, very few people in the world that can do that. And I applaud you, whoever's listening, that can do that. I'd like to learn more about you. I think Jordan and I would love to yeah, take... Probably, some, I want to know what Yeah, you're doing. we want to know what you're doing. And um, <laughs> this is a great way to promote the podcast. If you want to be interviewed, and if you think you have something to contribute to the podcast, <laughs> www.ericmorgala.com slash podcast or uh, the website slash contact contact me and then we'll we'll um sort out an interview so jordan let's talk about compose away it's a very unique project that i want people to know more about so compose the way is my i guess my singer songwriter project is what i have to call it to explain it to people because they do know that i'm involved in jazz and they do know that i'm involved in composition so i just explain it as a singer songwriter project because I am the singer and the songwriter, but it's not singer songwriter in the traditional sense that it's like me and my acoustic guitar at a coffee shop. Sometimes it is that because that vibe also works really well for the music that I write, but it's, it's so much more than that. Like I have, I have a band that I hired to play um, live shows with me from time to time. And I play bass and sing. Um, but the project itself came out of, you know, my my entire like experience at, at MSU as well, because during my first semester at MSU, I was looking to add a course into my uh, class schedule to also kind of like balance out all of the engineering classes I was taking. I was like, okay, well, I have to take all these math and science classes. Like I need a creative outlet. So I took this songwriting class that the College of Music offered. And we had to write six songs in 15 weeks, which is a pretty decent amount of time to write six songs. It's not an impossible thing to do. I didn't view it that way anyway. Um, and 
you know, that was my first time kind of like diving into songwriting. Like I was in a band and stuff in high school, but one of my really good friends, uh, Jake Lamond, who's now playing with uh, this really popular alternative band in Michigan called Michigander. Oh, that's a cool uh, name. He, yeah, it's it's great. It's it's quite it's quite brilliant, honestly, um, that he decided to kind of name his his songwriting project that because then you have the whole state of Michigan paying attention. Um, so that was smart. Uh, but he he's kind of the first person who really introduced me to to writing songs. And he helped me write my very first song that I hate, but it's like my dad's favorite song. He's like constantly asking me when I'm going to record it. Um, but yeah, so I took this class at MSU and wrote a bunch of songs. And the professors and my classmates were just like, whoa, like these songs are really good. Are you going to do anything with them? And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, well, you should record them, put them out, just, just do something with them. Like they're really good. It's like, well you know, maybe like I'm doing engineering. So the songs really are just kind of for me at this point. But when I eventually ended up changing majors and deciding to change career paths, you know, I took a, took a listen back to some of the songs that I had written that year and some of the songs that I had continued to write up until that point. And, you know, I was like, okay, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to share this music with the world, especially if this is this is the life that I'm going to jump into. And I think the, the best way to, to kind of start it off is to, to release a collection of my original songs. And my first semester in music school uh, as a jazz studies major, I met a ton of incredible musicians um, that I loved playing with and that were able to really kind of work with me and help me develop the sound that I wanted to have outside of just me and, and my guitar or me and a keyboard. Um, so, you know, Compose the Way, the name Compose the Way was actually like my Twitter handle in high school or something. This was when I had first kind of gotten into composition and was really super excited about film composition. I was like, what's like some cool, like edgy name that I can make my Twitter handle? And I came up with Compose the Way. And then when it came time to start evaluating like how I wanted to market and how I wanted to distribute this music, I was like, putting my name on this feels so cliche. Like it's so much more than just like Jordan Davis, you know, this music is, is bigger than, than me. And I know that's could be a presumptuous thing to say, like, especially at the very beginning of you, like deciding to be a musician, but I just felt like it was, it was so much more than just like my identity and, and my, and my story. Um, but, you know, compose the way like that music and, and this entire project is is meant to, you know, to to help people realize that like you are in control of your life and that you get to decide how your life plays out and you get to choose your path and compose your way. So whatever whatever I have done since putting out the music and, and collecting the music and working with the musicians um, has all been motivated by by that notion and will continue to be motivated by that notion. Because um, a lot of the songs are about, about that simply. Um, and a lot of the music that I have written since then fully embodies that. And the journey of also just kind of releasing and producing and playing the music throughout the state of Michigan, um, it allowed me to interact with a lot of different musicians in several music communities in Detroit and Ann Arbor and Lansing and Grand Rapids um, and Kalamazoo. You know, I've, I've had a different musician probably from all of those cities play and compose the way or play a compose the way set 
at some point in time within the last two and a half, three years. Um, but that was that was also something that was really important to me. There was there was a year and I, there was a year long period where every single Compose Away show I did was with a different band. And for me, that was really awesome because it gave me a lot of experience working with different musicians, but also giving me the opportunity to explore my sound and to decide, you know, how do I want people to experience my music in person? Um, and what type of what type of experiences are the musicians that I'm working with looking for? And like, what are they looking to get out of my music or or better yet, like how are, are they getting anything out of my music and are they contributing to my music or are they willing to contribute to my music? Because a huge part of a huge part of the Compose the Way live experience is, you know, my interaction with my band and allowing them to to have the creative freedom to contribute to my larger vision. Because um, for me, art is all collaboration. Often you write alone as a composer and you you practice alone as a musician. But when it comes time for the show you know, it's not all about one person, you know, there's a collective of people who had to participate in bringing someone to the stage or contributing to a piece of work being performed. Um, and all of those people who made it happen have the, in my opinion, have the right to contribute to it. So that's something that I fully believe in and embrace and compose the way. And obviously, like, I, I have the say in like, what gets put out and and what gets performed, but without that collaborative aspect, I wouldn't get to the point where I'm like, okay, this is the sound that I want. You know, this is this is what we're going for. This is what we're trying to say, and this is how we're going to communicate it. And this is the experience that we're going to create for people tonight. So, you know, Compose the Way is growing and changing um, every day, honestly. And every time I get to work with different musicians, and this year we're getting into the studio. Uh, this summer, hopefully, and recording some some singles so that I can begin to work on a full length album for post grad school, um, just so I can get some more composed way music out because I haven't released anything since my first year of music school, so that was 2017, 2018. So, thanks for sharing a new decade. Got to put out some new music. <laughs> Thanks for sharing all of that, Jordan. I love the vision of Compose Away. I think it's a really awesome vision that you have. Uh, if you had a word in mind to describe Compose Away, what would that one word be? The first word that came to mind is alive. Alive. Okay. Yeah. Describe, alive. describe alive. Well, something for me, as of recently, I think, I think about life and in all of its different forms and like what things that we interact in are what things we interact with on a daily basis that are alive that we don't necessarily like acknowledge as alive. So for instance, like my like we were having a conversation in one of my classes the other day about the double bass and how it's made out of wood and how that wood is still alive. So I often have to get my bass repaired because it cracks. It's cold in Michigan, so you know the, the oh yeah you're telling me <laughs> I, you're telling me I, I, I live in the northeast and man we have well luckily this winter has been a little mild so it hasn't been so bad in the northeast but man i can't imagine <laughs> with michigan's winter yeah i i probably have to get my my base repaired two to three times a year for cracks and it's not it's not a fun time 
but it's not a fun time for anyone who doesn't own a, an, a wooden music instrument. Well, it's it's no fun. <laughs> it can get very costly, and you know. Also, this is just a, a PSA for musicians who don't have a humidifier running in their home or in their cases to help reduce those cracks or those open seams. Do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Some money. <laughs> yeah. Save. Save that money. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we were talking about like why that happens and it's because the wood is still alive and the base is still alive. And like, we're also talking about um, what makes, what makes a great bass player and and the characteristics of, of bass players often. And my professor is saying like, you know, it's not, it's not unusual like that all of these people in here get along really well because you have to be a specific type of person to be a bass player and to, to be willing to be open and vulnerable to, to make music with this live instrument you know, and to, to surrender to the music and to, to create with life itself, um, without it having to be another person. And that has me thinking about just being like grateful to be alive, period. And, you know, somebody, somebody asked me yesterday, uh, one of my friends and I went out to brunch yesterday and they were like, oh, like, what's the best thing that happened to you today? And I was like, well, I got to wake up and have a day, like I'm alive. Um, and being alive means that I get to grow and change every single day. And that's what Compose the Way is about as well. You know, it's about self-growth and it's about self-care and it's about change and it's about development and it's about embracing who you are and embracing life and and being alive. So that's I think that's why the first thing that came to mind is alive. And that's for sure something that Compose the Way is is embodying well this has been amazing jordan thanks so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing your life story sharing your experience on tedx compose away your journey getting through college and dealing with some difficult career choices and how can people get in touch with you how can people learn more about compose away and other endeavors that you're up to Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, Eric. This is this has been really incredible. Um, to stay connected with Compose the Way, um, I would say uh, Instagram is really great. My handle is just at Compose the Way. It's one word, like compose as if you're a composer, and literally the way. It's just one word. Um, and all of my music is available literally anywhere you stream music. It's on all of the streaming platforms. It's on Bandcamp. It's it's on CD Baby. It's it's literally everywhere. It's on YouTube. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel. So just search Compose the Way on YouTube. You can find the newest video that I just released on Valentine's Day for my song entitled What Are We Gonna Do? Uh, we shot that in my bedroom um, here in Lansing. And it's it's got some, some cool vibes. So definitely check that out. And uh, Compose the Way, the new Compose the Way website is under construction at the moment, but it will be available pretty soon. And, you know, just, I would compose, it'll be composed the way.com. And I'm on Facebook. Uh, I do have a Twitter, but I'm not super active on Twitter. So I would say for sure, like Facebook, Instagram, and, and YouTube are the best ways to, excuse me, interact with Compose the Way. And of course, for anyone who is interested in learning more about Jordan, I'll provide all those handles in the podcast notes in the podcast description so 
please like the Everyday Musician podcast on Instagram and on Facebook and um, all those episodes, especially the podcast notes, will be included with Jordan's Composed Away Twitter handle, Instagram and Facebook, all that will be on the page. So uh, no worries there. Jordan, again, thank you very much for coming on to this week's episode of the Everyday Musician podcast. And we hope to have you on in a later episode. Yeah, thank you so much, Eric.